Greetings and welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. Today's topic is the virtue of interfaith worship. Please welcome in studio Reverend Thomas Perchlick of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and from the Chautauqua Institution in New York, Reverend George Wolfe. Greetings and welcome to Converging Streams. I have the great joy of being on location here at uh, Chautauqua Institution in Chautauqua, New York. It is located on the beautiful Chautauqua Lake near Jamestown. And I don't know if people know of Chautauqua Institution. It's quite a famous place, but if you hadn't heard of it, it is uh, a real interdisciplinary environment that we have here. Uh, a great deal of interest in theology and religion, and but there's also the arts. Uh, there's a wonderful professional orchestra and a student orchestra. Uh, there's ballet program. And we have uh, guest speakers that come in and talk about uh, issues related to world politics uh, every day. So it's a very exciting place to be, very uh, stimulating, uh, both on the level of the intellect and on the level of the heart. Each religious denomination within the Christian tradition has a house here. I'm staying in the disciples' house. That is the house that's the associated with the, the denomination Disciples of Christ. Uh, but, of course, every denomination has a uh, particular residence, uh, in, including the Unitarian uh, Church, as well as um, the Roman Catholic and, and so forth. And each week we have services uh, every day at 9.15, interdenominational services on the Protestant tradition. There is a Catholic Mass every day at 12.15, on the weekends, there are two uh, Jewish services. In the afternoon, there's always a lecture on philosophy and religion, and we have uh, prominent people here to speak. For example, uh, in the summer, there is always a prominent Jewish rabbi that comes and speaks for an entire week. Well-established Islamic scholars have been here. Karen Armstrong, who is the um, author of many books relating to various religious themes, has been here as a theology in resonance for an entire summer. The program goes on for nine full weeks through the summer. So, George, do you engage in interfaith worship there? Well, we don't have interfaith worship. That's one reason why I'm here, is to find ways to uh, add that to the experience here. And we're going to have an interfaith worship on uh, July 29th. There's going to be an interfaith worship service that I'm going to hold in the disciples' house. So that will be occurring this summer for the first time. They've had a lot of interfaith dialogue, but they really haven't had actual interfaith worship. Right. Who, who, Which religions will be included in that, do you know? Well, I will try to attract as many people as possible from various traditions. Uh, unfortunately, um, I, I, don't, I don't actually know of people from various traditions that I can call. For example, in, right. in Muncie, Indiana, I have a lot of friends that are from the Hindu tradition, Muslim tradition, Baha'i, and so forth, and I can just sort of pick up the phone and and call them and arrange for them to participate. Here I can't quite do that, but there is a paper which advertises um, all the religious activities, and the former director of the Department of Religion is going to attend. So I'm hoping hoping we'll get enough uh, uh, publicity out so that we'll have uh, quite a uh, various group that will be at the service. What have you learned from your experience of leading interfaith worship in Muncie that's going to help you there? Well, I guess um, what I've learned is that 
it's of great benefit to have people participate, read from their own tradition, give short interpretations of the scriptures that they read from their own tradition. We always begin each service with the lighting of a candle from each tradition to honor, each religious tradition uh, in the world. And then we move into a, a short purification ceremony. Often we have a water purification ceremony where people simply interact with water in a way that would be appropriate or comfortable to their own tradition. And generally everybody can do that because water is such a universal symbol. Then we, we, we I will have picked a theme that the service will be organized around prior to the service and we'll have picked scriptures from the various traditions for people to read that relate to that theme and those will be read and then uh, a short dialogue and commentary will uh, take place where we talk about the common, that particular common theme and the insights we gain from it when we hear the theme spoken of from the perspective of a religious tradition other than our own. One thing, we, one thing that's a, in my particular view regarding interfaith worship and in the view that uh, is um, held in the seminary that I attended in New York City is that we're not really supposed to create a new uh, denomination or a new uh, church or anything of that nature. We're more interested in having uh, people gain a positive experience of interfaith worship so that within a community that may be diverse, uh, we have a way of bringing people together, say, once a month, to have a meaningful interfaith uh, experience. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, it's often worship is described as the devotional expression of a particular religious tradition. And so do you think that, and often a criticism that comes of interfaith worship is that it's simply a watered-down activity in which you're just simply seeking the vaguest commonalities and that no one can really bring their own faith uh, fully present into a worship service. How would you respond to that sort of criticism? Well, uh, when we, we choose a theme that people can uh, interpret and, and dialogue on, uh, the person from representing a particular faith that is interpreting and reading the scripture from their tradition, they can, they can represent their viewpoint as deeply as they would like. There are certainly no restrictions on that. The, the, the enlightening part of that experience is that uh, very often... Uh, when you hear that uh, commentary from another religious tradition on a theme that you know is present in your own tradition, you gain, uh, first of all, an awareness of the depth of a person's understanding from their tradition, and that often gives you new perspectives and new insights into uh, your own perspective on your own tradition. So the result is really an enlightening experience where one feels they have uh, touched their own tradition more deeply rather than one of superficial superficially watering down right yeah that's there's my experience in in muncie of course with interfaith worship was through the national day of prayer which we were bringing people together and we had Mm -hmm. uh, a christian gentleman uh, william keller who expressed this a fear that christians would uh, be compromising their faith or have to sacrifice their faith in order to come together to listen to the prayers, uh, as he said, to other gods. But what I've always found, my experience has always been that people who come into interfaith worship 
end up deepening their own faith. It, right. Sometimes there are Christians who are sort of wandering and vague and unsure about their Christian commitment. And, w- and when they start to listen to these other faiths, they begin to understand their own Christian faith much better. And they begin to realize the elements, perhaps of Hinduism or, or Islam, that they, they don't embrace. And they realize they don't embrace them because of their grounding in, in their Christian tradition. It's the same thing with Hindus and Muslims. Gandhi was famous for telling people not to convert to Hinduism who loved his, his commitment to peace and justice work. He said, just go practice your own faith. Become a better Muslim. Uh, you know, become a better Buddhist. Become a better Christian. That in that encounter, what we find are the universal elements of our faith. We begin to see those universal elements. But we also begin to claim the particularities of our own faith in a, with a more humility, you know, instead of them being absolute and the only ways that, that right. one just, can approach truth. Just as an example, uh, I was uh, interviewing uh, Faz Rahman, who was uh, who was from the Islamic tradition, and he began talking about the five pillars of Islam. And as he did that, it occurred to me that every almost every one of those pillars is really in every religion. They just don't call them pillars. And they exercise the um, practice of that, of, of each of those fillers, in, in, in different ways, unique ways. And actually, I've, uh, I've found that uh, when you listen to, for example, how uh, fasting is a part of, of Islam or uh, giving of alms or saying prayers uh, throughout the day and so forth, uh, you begin, I begin to look at my own uh, practice and think, perhaps I can learn from that particular expression and integrate some of those ideas into my own practice from uh, a Christian background. Yeah, I remember I was talking to a Muslim once. Uh, we were talking about prayer, and he he was critiquing what I was saying, and he said, you're, you're using, you're thinking of prayer so much as just something in your head, as words and ideas in your head. The Muslim is taught from the religious practice that prayer is of the entire self. We put our entire bodies down on the ground, and it's 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 the submission of your entire life, not just you know, what words are you thinking, not what words are you using, not what ideas. And that was something that sort of transformed my understanding of what I was doing religiously, that it was a, a way of life. Yeah, and that, that brings to mind a passage that uh, is from one of Paul's epistles in the Christian tradition, and that is the, the line which says, the phrase which reads, pray without ceasing. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, took a what you just described there in terms of the way the uh, Muslim views prayer uh, can help could help a Christian gain insight into what is meant by uh, Paul's uh, phrase or expression, pray without ceasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just an example of, uh, of how we can then, reflect differently right. on our own tradition as a result of being exposed to another perspective. And then, of course, the other thing that happens in worship is that instead of seeing someone from another religion as a, a set of ideas or, you know, I, uh, you know, just uh, theology or theological statements, we begin to see people in other religions uh, as faithful people. We begin to see the qualities of their trust, the qualities of their hope, uh, the qualities of goodness in them, and we begin to gain a deeper respect for right. religions that we may never embrace our own, but we begin to see that the goodness, we begin to trust them more, uh, understand them more deeply. I guess an, an uh Another a spin-off of the uh, of the interfaith experience in terms of worship is simply the fellowship that results before and after the service too. Uh, 
conversations become deep and you begin to know a person more deeply, we always uh, ask in the service if there's people have any concerns about uh, their own in their own life and so forth. And we find out that uh, people are have the same hopes and joys regarding their families and the concerns regarding their uh, lives that uh, everybody does. All those cross religious boundaries, and pretty soon you gain. Uh, an experience of friendship on a, a on a level that's uh, that transcends the boundaries of faith. Yeah, yeah. In my my tradition, we always say that far more important than the sermon is the is the coffee hour. It's the right. Time <laughs> people are engaged together. <laughs> I know that would certainly be true with my sermons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The hope of interfaith worship is that a a spirit of community, spirit of unity, uh, which is claimed and upheld by all, you know, all religions, all religions speak of this sort of universal quality of togetherness that, that comes in the worship and becomes planted in the spirits and the minds mm-hmm. in the practices of all the people who come and together. I, I think we're being confronted with a particular challenge today because in previous ages we haven't had the situation where you had such diversity, a religious diversity within a community. And so it was much easier in the past to get people together, uh, although they still had trouble doing it. Now we have much more diverse communities throughout the United States, and so we just need to deal with the issues that that presents us, and we need to do it in a way that embraces the greater spirit which we all believe in and worship, which some people call God, some people call Allah, some people call Brahman, and so forth. That that particular challenge is an extremely important one, I think, in the United States at this time. Thank you for listening to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship with content and financial support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and technical support from radio stations WCRD and Work FM. Most importantly, we thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolf, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening and have a pleasant week.